morning, everybody. Everybody good? Awesome. Hey, great. It's so good to be here. We're in Matthew 5. So I'm going to take your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 5. Uh, man, just so blessed to be here. Uh, I'm actually on sabbatical this summer. Uh, I'm, I'm celebrating 25 years of ministry. And uh, so my church blessed me with uh, this summer uh, to kind of just travel and read and plan and study and all t- kinds of things. And uh, I got a phone call uh, saying this was a, a date that was open. Could I come? Like, yes, I would love to do that. But it's literally been eight weeks, eight weeks since I've preached. And so thankfully, it's kind of like riding a bike. So first couple services have gone okay. Super excited about this one. And I'm so glad that you're here. So maybe you're like, I don't even know why I'm here. Or maybe you were kind of on the fence this morning. Like, are we going to church today? Are we not going to church? You are here to by divine appointment. There are no coincidences. We are glad that you're here. And we believe that God has a special message for all of us uh, to experience together. And I'm so grateful for the worship team and just the, the great welcome uh, that I've received here this morning. It's just been fantastic. I appreciate um, uh, Pastor Dave Fossold uh, for his help and encouragement. He was one of my uh, church planning coaches early on in my ministry. And so he's been a guy that uh, has been around to uh, just support and encourage and help and bounce ideas off of and things of that nature. So I've appreciated him. And then I just can't say enough about how much uh, Dave Sauer means to me. He literally is my best friend in the entire world. Uh, we've been through so much together in ministry and in life. He was my son's youth pastor. And so uh, we just have a, and he has a special crown in heaven for that, uh, being my son's youth pastor. Um, I'm just so blessed by his friendship and his family it just means so much to me. And uh, it's a real uh, honor to be here with you at uh, Bay Hills. Uh, so thank you for coming um, today. Matthew chapter five is where we're at going to read these first uh, several verses, uh, so you follow along as I read uh, verse 1 down through verse number 12. Uh, The Bible says this, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, speaking of Jesus, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Well, let's pause for prayer. Father, thank you for these moments together. We ask your blessing on the teaching of your word. Uh, Thank you for this passage of scripture. Help us to understand it. Uh, Help us to apply it as we leave today. Uh, Thank you for each one that's walked through the doors this morning. You know every heart, every need, every family, every situation. And we pray, Father, that you would meet us just right where we are. Just help us to just quiet our hearts in these moments, Father, whatever has gone on the week prior, whatever we're anticipating in the week ahead. Uh, May this just be an oasis for our souls, these moments together in your word, and we will give you thanks, we will give you praise, for it's in Jesus' name we ask these things, amen. So um, these are commonly referred to as uh, the Beatitudes, this is the start of the Sermon on the Mount, and and what I like to think of in terms of all of this teaching of Jesus is bringing kingdom life and kingdom culture into where we are, into where we live, because the Bible makes it very clear that we are in this world, but we are not of this world. We are pilgrims. We are strangers. Um, and we are walking alongside in this world, in this culture, but we should be living it with different standards, kingdom standards, kingdom life. 
Uh, I had this uh, uh, experience this week that really brought this to bear, the whole idea of, you know, you're, you're a stranger in a strange land, because I was actually in San Francisco this last uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, dressed kind of like this. So have I lost you already? You know, like, like really, you're wearing a cousin? But that, seriously, like, so that, that's kind of the reception that I received. Thank you very much. In the, uh, in the Bay Area. And uh, people look at me like, who's that guy? And then I had, you know, th- then there's the occasional Cubs fan, you know, it's kind of like, what's up? You know, like, like there's kind of this like hidden thing, like apply the W, you know, we're like having this like unwritten thing. So it was kind of a rough weekend in that regard. Cubs lost two out of three, and that was not very pretty at all. But there was 20 seconds of awesome in the top of the 11th inning on Tuesday night. Check it out. That's me! Woo! Right on! Man, what a great catch that was! So, uh, I'll be in the back signing autographs after the service. That was the best foul ball play in San Francisco. Awesome. So, um, so we totally get there's like there's different ways, there's different you know filters, different prisms by which we see things. So again, we're in this world, but we're not of this world, and we see that happening even geographically in the United States of America. Depending on where you live or where you're from, you look at the same thing, but sometimes you've got a different name for that thing. So I'm gonna uh, flash some some pictures up on the screen and you tell me. So that's either a sub sandwich or a you know, hoagie or something like that. Okay, so depending where you're from. Okay, here's another one. Sneakers tennis shoes, gym shoes, running shoes, okay, same thing, but we've got different names for them depending on, you know, kind of how we were raised and whatnot. Uh, next one, heaven. highway, heaven, heaven, freeway, <laughs> expressway, it's like, I'm praying for you, brother, and you think that's heaven, okay. Um, next one, oh, this is a great one, so if you're from the Midwest, you call this a sun shower, you know, so, uh, you know, it's, it's sunny outside, but it's raining. Apparently in the south, this is called the devil beating his wife. So if you're from the South and can explain that to me, I'd really appreciate it. But uh, that's what I was told. And then here's the classic one. Soda, pop, Coke, diabetes in a can, all that, okay? <laughs> exact same thing, exact same thing, but depending on your filter, depending on your prism, uh, that's how you view it. It's the same with life. Uh, there are things that are normal in one place that aren't in other places. We are in this world, but not of this world. And, and this text reminds us, that redemption is not just about the destination, it's about the journey that we're on. Now, it's, we're, we're thrilled for the destination. I love the destination. I'm so glad that heaven is my home, and I have that, that to look forward to. And I love reading the end of Revelation and reading the end of the story and all the great uh, things that, are, that, that, that are, are spoken of about that place that is to come. But if we're just sitting around waiting for heaven... We're missing out on the journey that God wants us to be on as we are in this world together. It's more than just fire insurance. Like, man, I'm so glad I'm not going to hell. I prayed that prayer and I did my thing and now I can just live my life the way I want to live my life the rest of my life. Um, I'm missing a page, okay? That, that's not what the book says. So there is this destination that we have to look forward to, but there's also this journey that we're on through life. And the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, gives us some of these principles uh, by which we can bring kingdom culture into, uh, into our everyday life. Because the redeemed life is the blessed life. And if I were to ask this morning, if I were to take a poll, like how many of you want to live the blessed life, 
it would probably be unanimous. Like, yes, I want my life to be blessed. We want to talk about those things today. The blessed life is about our state, not our stuff, and it will absolutely impact those around us. The first thing that we've got to understand, Beatitudes means blessing, and it's a word that we often get so very wrong because we equate blessing with stuff, tangible, material things. Now, there's nothing wrong with tangible, material things. There's nothing wrong with being blessed in that way. But if that is the extent of how we view blessing, then when those things go away, we no longer feel that we're blessed. And blessing goes beyond stuff. It is a state that we are in. So we get a bonus at work, and we're like, I'm blessed. I get a new car, a new house. I'm blessed. We, you know, uh, My son and daughter-in-law, uh, he serves in the Marines down at Camp Pendleton. Uh, they just had their first baby. So I'm a grandpa. Like, I'm blessed, okay? Um, but blessing is so much more than just the things that we have. We've got to be careful about that. It's not just about being more or having more. We've got to beware what I like to call the American filter to our Christianity, Because if we equate uh, the blessing of God in our Christian lives solely tied to the American dream, uh, we will have missed out on what God has for us. And we'll have forgotten that we have persecuted brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ all over this world today who don't have some of the same privileges that we have in gathering freely for worship and opening the word and singing these songs. They believe exactly the same things we believe about Jesus and the cross and the gospel uh, and they are still blessed. Um, and and, and uh, we need to remember our brothers and sisters in Christ uh, who are abroad and not be so consumed with filtering our Christianity through just an American lens. The word blessed, makarios, it's someone who's in an enviable position. You could have nothing material in this life, but you have Jesus. And because you have Jesus, you are blessed. You may have lost a loved one. But you have Jesus, and because you have Jesus, you are blessed. You may be persecuted for your faith and overlooked because of your convictions, but you have Jesus. And because you have Jesus, you are what? You are blessed. When you have Jesus, you have all you need. And he unpacks for us here in Matthew chapter 5 some principles by which we can learn more how to bring that kingdom culture into our daily lives so that we can impact those around us. We're going to do just a quick flyby through these this morning, and I hope that they'll be a help. First one you see is this. Humility sets the tone. Humility sets the tone. Verse number three, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If we get this right or we get this wrong, it will determine everything else. If we get humility wrong, nothing else will matter. If we get humility right, then we can continue on this journey that he's laying out for us here in Matthew chapter number five. We've got to be so careful. uh, uh, We have to guard against the prideful spirit that basically says, hey, we're okay. And when God got us, you know, he got a good, he got a good deal. My pastor used to tell the story of the, of the mouse and the elephant that walked across the old rickety bridge and it's like shaking everything. And they get on the other side and the mouse looks up to the elephant and says, wow, we really shook that bridge, didn't we? And the elephant's like, are you kidding me? Like, it's not about us. It's not about what we bring. There's not a single one of us that's going to get to heaven one day and you'd be like, yep, this is, what I, this is what I deserve. This is what I earned. This is what I made for myself. We will all be there solely because of the grace of God and the finished work of Jesus Christ. There's just no room for pride in the salvation equation. So there ought not be any room for pride 
in the regular, everyday course of this life, this journey that we're on. We've got to remain humble. It is not about our righteousness. Uh, It's about what Jesus has accomplished for us in our place. He has everything we need. He resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So develop in your heart, develop in your life a humble spirit. Cast aside the, you know, what does the Bible say? You know, seven things God hates. You know, number one, top of the list, things God hates, a proud look, okay? Um, Put aside pride, embrace humility. Humility sets the tone for this journey that we're on and bringing kingdom culture into our lives. Second thing, notice mourning our brokenness redirects our vision. Mourning our brokenness redirects our vision. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And it's not simply about sadness due to circumstances. It's not just, you know, this happened to me or this happened to someone and I'm mourning, I'm sad for what's happening and so I'm going to be comforted. It it is that, but it's more than that. It has more to do with the, the sinfulness and the brokenness that creates such sadness and it recognizes the power of God in such times. So when we find ourselves in circumstances of, of, of being, really being devastated because of the results of sin, brokenness in this world, we're reminded that God brings a comfort that only God can bring. I love these verses, 2 Timothy 4, 16, 18. Jot it down in your notes and check it out here on the screen. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, they're temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And and I just really have felt led all throughout this day to share that I really believe that throughout the course of this morning, there have been people Uh, within the sound of my voice, who have needed to hear just this verse, to not lose heart. Because regardless of what is happening on the outside, no matter what's happening in in the outer self, even though there's this wasting away, internally, in your heart, you can be renewed day by day. Do not allow those external circumstances to define the work of God in your heart, because God's grace is sufficient. Amen? His grace is enough. His grace is sufficient. And God's grace will meet you at whatever that moment of need is. And that's demonstrated here in this verse. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. When we mourn, we recognize that God is above it all. And if we lift our eyes to him, we will be comforted. It redirects our vision to the God who is gracious to meet us in our point of need. Next, meekness changes the equation. Meekness changes the equation. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meekness is power under control. Humility is our inward expression of need. Meekness is our outward expression of that need. And Jesus is the one who sets this example. Jesus is the one who expresses this meekness. Jesus gave up everything and as a result gained it all. Now, we think about the life of Jesus and the trajectory of Jesus' ministry, and we see him going toward the cross. We recognize that we see that from, with, the, with the lens of history, and we can look back and see the end of the story as we're reading the beginning. And it all makes sense to us. We can see his ministry and how he's teaching and how he's working and how he's ministering among the people, and it leads him to 
the cross, but he doesn't stay on the cross. He's buried, and then he rises again, and it's a great victorious, uh, a, a great victorious celebration. But I want us to be mindful of the fact that the people that were actually walking with Jesus at the time, the disciples, the followers of Jesus, they were completely devastated by what was going on. They're walking, they've, they've put everything in it. This is the guy. This is the Messiah. This is the Christ. This is the one we've been waiting for. And then he's killed. He's murdered. He's crucified. He's put to death. But that's not the end of the story, is it? He's buried. He comes back alive. And he goes through all of this. And he, he gains for himself and he gains for all of us the redemption that was necessary through his sacrifice. Matthew 16, 25. Forever who would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This is absolutely a game changer. Aren't you glad Jesus went all the way? Aren't you glad that he said, look, you know, for the joy that was before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now set down at the right hand of the throne of God. It was the joy that was set before him. It was you. It was me. It was the restored relationship with his father through his substitutionary atonement that provided the, the, the means by which we could be saved. Jesus gave up everything, and as a result, he gained it all. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. May we have that same understanding as we live out our lives and bring that kingdom culture to bear in our day-to-day -day relationships. Next, desire creates the fulfillment. Verse number six. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. The desire creates the fulfillment. We're reminded of our need of something outside of ourselves. We are not self-sufficient. We need something outside of ourselves. And again, we totally get a lot of these concepts when it relates to our, our, our relationship with God through the finished work of Jesus, the salvation transaction, as I call it. But when it comes to our everyday living, we've got to remember as well, we need to be hungering and thirsty. There's a desire there that creates fulfillment. What are you hungry for? What is it you long for? And maybe like literally you're like, like Taco Bell, like PG, like let's get done. You know, it's time, it's time for lunch. <laughs> the last service is always the hardest service. Everyone's thinking about food. But what are you longing for? What do you desire? He says this hunger and thirst for righteousness. And I love this about this text. It's the desire for righteousness is what creates the satisfaction. It doesn't say blessed are those who are righteous for they will be satisfied. It says blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be satisfied. And that, that, that totally changes everything. Because it's a reminder that what God is most interested in is our heart. And one of the dangers of, of preaching from a text like this is is the potential that it can create in the minds of, of those that have gathered here today that all I'm doing is creating another checklist, another box, you know, okay, I've got to be humble and I've got to do this and I've got to do that. Thankfully, Jesus came to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. So I hope this is not coming across, I don't want it to come across as some kind of legalistic ex exercise that says you just got to conform to all these things and then God will be more approving of you, more accepting of you, more loving of you, no, 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 not at all, because otherwise it would say, if you're righteous, you'll be satisfied. No, it says, if you desire, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, 
you'll be satisfied. What's God most interested in? He's most interested in your heart. And that's a great, great encouragement to all of us today. The next one, mercy reaps mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Uh, this is not karma. This is Galatians 6, 7. Whatever you sow, that will you also reap. Uh, what you sow is what you will reap. Um, as I mentioned, I've been in ministry for 25 years, and the very first church I pastored uh, is in West, was in West Central Illinois. So I'm from Chicago, but West Central Illinois, in, in, in a place that was just in the middle of farm country in West Central Illinois, just beans uh, and corn, and there were more hogs in that community than there were people. There were 550 people. Instantly, there were more cats in that community than there were people. I mean, just all kinds of things. And here I am, a city boy from Chicago, trying to navigate and learn the ins and outs of living in a farming community, just fresh out of college and trying to figure out ministry and all the rest. But I love that church, and I still uh, speak highly of that church. My assistant who took over when I left, he's still the pastor there, and I've got lots of great uh, friendships and relationships there. My two oldest kids were born in that church. Uh, So wonderful experience. And one of the great experiences I had there uh, was to learn more about that kind of, you know, environment and that kind of culture and that kind of, um, you know, agrar- agrarian society. And they would take me out there and I'd learn about, you know, the equipment. I'd learn about all things. But I never heard a story that said we planted corn and got beans. I never heard a story that said we planted beans and got corn. Every time they planted, every time they sowed something, that's what they would get in the harvest. Whatever we sow, we will reap. Mercy reaps mercy. One of the great lies, one of the great deceptions of the enemy is that you will be the exception to the rule. Yeah, this person, it it affected this person, it affected that person, people in the Bible, people in history, people in my family, but I'm going to be the exception. I'm not going to get caught or I'm going to be able to uh, mess around with this and it not impact me in any way. And that's just not so. Whatever we sow, we will reap. And what, we're, what we learn here as we bring this kingdom culture into our lives is that mercy reaps mercy. We need to be merciful with people. We live in such a harsh society today. And, uh, and, and it's easy to f- go down the road and kind of, you know, get involved with the rest of the cultures. Well, they deserve whatever. And it's not about what is deserved. We need to show mercy. There are differences between grace and mercy. Grace is getting something we don't deserve. Mercy is withholding something that we do deserve. And we see this even in our our, uh, parental relationships. There are times our kids do certain things or don't do certain things, and we bestow grace or we bestow mercy. I've got a 13-year-old still still at home, and there are times she doesn't deserve certain things, uh, but I do for her because I'm being gracious in that moment. Uh, There are times when she does deserve some kind of punishment, and I withhold that to give her another chance, and that's showing mercy. And you've got to be, obviously, judicious about how you do that, you know, as a parent. Um, But the idea is we we bring those situations into our lives, and that's what we need to be developing as we interact with others, to be merciful and get mercy in return. There are going to be lots of people that you interact interact with in life who deserve whatever. The Bible says be merciful. When you can, be merciful and reap mercy. The next one, verse number eight, motives reveal our focus. Motives reveal our focus. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Jesus asked this question, whose kingdom are you building? 
Whose kingdom are you building? Why are you doing the things that you're doing? Uh, it's been a great exercise for me, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, throughout the course of the sabbatical that I've been away for my church family and, and regular teaching and whatnot, uh, to really be asking myself the question, okay, why, why are we doing what we're doing in Yuba City? Is it to create a kingdom for Pastor Greg? Is it to create a kingdom for our church? Is it to make a name for us? Or is it to further the ministry of the gospel and transforming the hearts of men and women and boys and girls? That's what it's got to be about. It's got to be about building his kingdom, not our own. Uh, why, do you, why do you want a good marriage? Why do you want to succeed on the job? Why do you want you know, compliant children? Why, why do you want the things that you want? Your motives will reveal your focus. And I trust that your focus will be on the things of the Lord. The last one we're going to do, we're going to kind of just take these all at once. Uh, verses uh, 9 through 12. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The, all of these verses have one thing in common. The cross is central. The cross is central. Peacemakers, persecuted, slandered, they all apply to Jesus. So as we're walking this road, as we're living this journey, as we're going from place to place, day to day, year to year, to be a Jesus people, to be Jesus, to be his hands and feet, even when it comes at the cost being described here in Matthew chapter 5. One commentator said it this way. Let me read. I can't read these verses without seeing a picture of the cross. To the Romans, the cross was, this, was the symbol of a failed revolution. To the Jews, hanging on a tree meant you were cursed. So as Jesus was hanging on the cross, everyone looking upon him would have seen him as a cursed person and a complete failure. On top of that, Jesus had not sparked the revolution against the Romans as the Jews had expected their Messiah to do. When we think of a movement bringing redemption to a country and its people, we don't often think of one in which turning the other cheek is preached. But that's what Jesus did when he spoke of his kingdom. When Jesus went to the cross, he knew that he was embodying the cultural symbol of a failed movement. He was persecuted because of the message he taught and lived out. He even had insults hurled at him on his deathbed. Yet Jesus still chose to be obedient to the journey placed before him by God and trust that this was what it meant to live blessed. Only God can turn the cross a cultural symbol of failure into a symbol of victory. Amen? Only God could do that. Only God can do that. And no matter what we're doing, no matter what we're involved in, as, as people, as families, as church, whatever it is, we've got to keep the cross central. We've got to be sure that the gospel is front and center. Uh, at our church back, uh, back home, I'm always... I'm always um, I think I'm preaching, I'm, they may think I'm badgering, uh, about keeping the main thing the main thing. What is the main thing? Love God with heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Keep the main thing the main thing. Keep the cross central as we're going through and navigating through this life and this journey. Humility sets the tone. 
Mourning our brokenness redirects our vision. Meekness changes the equation. Desire creates the fulfillment. Mercy reaps mercy. Motives reveal our focus. And the cross is central. Here's a big idea. Check it out on the screen. Some of you are going to get all warm and fuzzy with the, the, the veggie tales, right? Man, my kids, my kids love those. The Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are trail markers on a journey of redemption. They're trail markers. They show us that we're on the right path. We're, 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 we're on the right road. We can see these things in our lives. We know we're on the direction that we should be headed. Uh, in just a couple hours, I'm going to be on my way home. And uh, in Yuba City, one of our great, greatest claims to fame is we've got the Sutter Buttes. And the Sutter Buttes are the world's smallest mountain range. It's the smallest mountain range in the entire world is right there outside Yuba City. And so I'm going to get on 80, and I'm going to take 80 to 5, and then I'm going to take 5 to 99, and I'm going to start driving north on 99, and this is what I'm going to see in my windshield. This is what I'm going to see as I'm getting closer and closer and closer. It's a marker that says I'm on the right road, and I'm almost home. If I were to be going home and on a road thinking I'm traveling the right direction and not see the buttes, I know I'm in trouble. I know I'm not in the right place. It's a trail marker for me to demonstrate that I'm on the right road and I'm heading home. It's a journey, not just a destination. Are we living according to our rules or are we bringing that kingdom culture into our lives? Well, but that's not what everybody else, it doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. Jesus said, this is the way of the kingdom. This is what kingdom life looks like. And to begin bringing that into our daily experience. The blessed life is about our state, not our stuff. And it will absolutely impact those around us. It cannot help but impact those around you. Your family, your spouse, your children, your coworkers, your classmates, your teammates, the people in your club, the people in your neighborhood. They will see a difference in your life when you incorporate kingdom culture into your daily interaction. And we must make that impact those around us. We cannot just be sitting on the sideline waiting for heaven to come. We must be living this life that points others to Jesus. Faith that doesn't make a difference doesn't matter. Faith that doesn't make a difference doesn't matter. How is your faith making a difference in your life and, and in the lives of the people around you? We've got, a, we've got two doors that go into our church. We're kind of in an industrial building, kind of like this. And, but we've got two, and it was an old furniture store, so we've got two entry, entry points. And over the one, we've got the, you know, you're now entering the mission field because that's like what you're supposed to say, you know, uh, over the door. So we've got that over one door, okay? We want to encourage people to remember that. We're like, what are we going to do in this other door? We've got two doors. So on the other door, we've got a little statement that says, our Sundays change our Mondays. And that's what I hope happens, that our Sundays change our Mondays, that this doesn't just become an intellectual exercise, an academic exercise, but it's something that we take with us to say, I'm going to start bringing kingdom culture into my life and see the difference that it can make in my life, my family's life, and the lives of the people that are around me.
In closing, let me share one of my uh, favorite illustrations um, to do this, because when you share a message like this, it's easy, uh, you know, it's easy to kind of go the legalistic route, so we've addressed that already, and hope you don't take that, with, take that, take that as your takeaway today. Um, the second thing is, uh, people don't know where to start. They're like, you know, it's so much. It's, it's, such, a, it's such a big thing. Like, how, how can I possibly do that? Uh, this is a $100 bill. Um, I got it for my wife. Um, any, any Dave Ramsey fans in the house? Okay, so, so we do the envelopes. Tracy, my wife Tracy, she holds all the envelopes. I said, babe, I'm doing that illustration. I need a $100 bill. So she gave me a $100 bill, and I will give it back to her when I get home uh, this afternoon. Um, so there, you can do a lot with a $100 bill. That's a lot of money. Okay, you can get a lot of tacos at Taco Bell with $100. Um, uh, and, and we oftentimes view life in terms of like, and, and our Christian life, and living for God, and, and, uh, and, and thinking about what our message today is like really big stuff. Like, how am I going to do? How am I going to accomplish this really big stuff for God? Let me encourage you to not think about it in terms of $100 bills. This is also $100. It's 400 quarters. We don't live our lives in $100 bills. We live our lives in quarters. It's the small, simple, everyday things that we do that bring humility into our life, that check our motivations in life, that uh, focus on meekness, that uh, bring mourning, that keeps the cross center. It's the little things that we're doing day by day by day with our spouses, with our children, with our neighbors, with our, with our co-workers. Don't be holding out for the $100 bill because life oftentimes does not come at us with these kinds of opportunities. Every once in a while it does, and we need to be ready for them. But by and large, we don't live our lives by $100 bills. We live our lives in quarters. Leave this room today determined to begin making small steps toward bringing this kingdom culture into your life. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. I pray your blessing on each one within the sound of my voice. And Father, just these two questions. Number one, do we know you? Lord, if there's anyone here that does not know Jesus as Savior, that does not have a personal relationship with you through the finished work of your son Jesus, I pray that today would be the day of salvation, that they would speak with me, one of the pastors, someone in the prayer room, that they would get that question settled once and for all, that they too can have a relationship with you. Forgiveness of sins, a new family, a new destination, a new destiny. Lord, draw any here this morning who have yet to make that decision to trust Jesus Christ. And Father, for those of us that name the name of Jesus, some who have been believers for days, months, years, maybe decades, Father, may we be reminded again today of the, of the necessity to bring that kingdom culture into our everyday life because it will absolutely impact the people that are around us. There are people around us, they're lost, they're dying, they're going to hell. And as that scripture goes on to say, we are salt, we are light in this world. So I pray, Father, that this Sunday would change someone's Monday and that we would 
embrace the truth of what you've said here in the Beatitudes and even in small ways begin to make a difference in how we interact within this culture in the world not of the world bless each one I pray in Jesus name we ask it Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you.